Welcome to Take Brain Talk with your girl Flavella Fong Gang. And today I'm gonna fuel your brain with some bomb knowledge. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hello everybody, in this episode of Tech Brain Talk, you're going to hear about the story of Cynthia Davis, a fantastic black woman who launched two fantastic businesses. The first one in 2015, BAM Recruitment, and 2019, Diversifying.co. She became she became an entrepreneur and then a tech entrepreneur. And we're going to learn in terms of how this fantastic woman managed to be to stay on, on purpose, first of all, and um, achieve such a great success, and how she's helping companies attract the right talent. And you know how much I talk about culture. And so you're going to learn about all of that and so much more. So enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tech Brain Talk. And I'm super excited about this episode, as I am, as always, because I always bring you the most exciting individuals that I know. And uh, I'm curious to really just share all the knowledge and all the success that they've achieved. And Sita Davis is not only a great entrepreneur, but also a tech entrepreneur, but she's also a great friend of mine. And um, sometimes you meet people and you, you, know, you connect with them straight away. And she's one of those uh, individuals that I can really just close to my heart. And I really, really wanted to have it for a long time and I'm glad we finally did it. So let me tell you about Cynthia Davis. Cynthia Davis, she's the CEO and founder of BAM Recruitment and also the co-founder of Diversifying.io. Cynthia is also a mentor to young adults via the Stephen Lawrence Trust Mentorship Program and a fellow of St. George College Leadership Fellowship in Windsor. She's also chair of the board of Pop-Up, a social enterprise working in collaboration with educational literary literary and culture organization to enable children empower teachers and engage families from all walks of life to read more widely and creatively and we can really tell that that woman is very driven by purpose so Cynthia it's so good to have you how are you I'm good thank you so much for having me my pleasure (laughs) let's be honest we obviously know each other I mean it's it's such a uh, very um, you know so formal introduction to you but I also can introduce you as the bubbly the the supportive friend that you've been for so many years. And it's such a pleasure to have you because we have never done that. No, we haven't. And I, th- I think, um, you know, it was about time I got invited to be a guest on your show. <laughs> Everyone else had. So I kept patiently waiting for my turn. So I'm absolutely <laughs> delighted to be here and to be finally asked to uh, to come on your, your podcast. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for having me today. My pleasure. Really, really my pleasure. So people don't know you as well as I know you. Maybe you can tell us what led you to decide to start diversifying.io. Yeah, so I mean, I've I've been working in the um, kind of talent acquisitions uh, field for about 20, 23 years now. It's quite a long time. And a mixture of that has been working for uh, some of the best kind of well-known brands out there. So people like BT and um, Creative Access through ITV uh, and Carpool Warehouse. But also I've worked uh, for other kind of um, recruitment agencies uh, as a recruitment consultant. And I think for me, the, the biggest challenge was seeing when organizations are recruiting that they don't always have access to um, a diverse talent pool. And sometimes the excuse that people give is, well, we can't find the talent. They're just not there. They don't exist, which we know is absolute rubbish. And Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do was to bust that myth and actually show that the talent is there. We know it's just not equal access to opportunities. And again, I suppose after years of just being frustrated of not seeing, um, you know, people like myself who are, you know, from diverse backgrounds, 
coming into organizations, moving up the ladder, I, I decided to do something about it. Um, and initially I set up my um, executive search uh, recruitment business, um, which, which is brain recruitment first. And really that was to try and work in partnership with organizations that were looking to diversify the the talent pools but also um, at that kind of senior and board level which we know can be the biggest challenge for a lot of organizations and I suppose through the success that we were having from clients um, you know seeing how we were supporting them to be more inclusive and in how to connect and engage with diverse talent they wanted more from us in terms of how else could they um, you know get support across all levels of their, uh, their, their their opportunities which at the time we're not we weren't really catered for that um so we started working with some few clients just to help them in terms of giving them access to um you know the database that we had to the candidates that we we had um and the more and more they they found they were actually able to connect and engage with that talent pool they wanted more so we decided to create um a platform which gave those organizations the ability to really showcase what they're doing around creating an inclusive work uh, workforce and i think for me it was wanting to give organizations that accountability to drive some of this change themselves and talk about what they're doing to um to make the the organizations more inclusive I think it's easy to say, of course, you know, we promote diversity. Of course, we want to be inclusive, but it's actually, well, how are you doing that? How are you going about it? And how is everyone actually getting the same access to opportunities? And that's what the platform's really been built to try and support those organizations that are on that journey, yeah. uh, connect and engage with um, candidates from all walks of life. And the work that we do is across all protected characteristics. So it's really making sure that no one's left behind. So it's looking across um, ethnicity, gender, LGBTQ+, disability, flexible kind of working, um, and making sure that, you know, we are leveling the playing field when we talk about job opportunities. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's, it's interesting because there's one one phrase that I say all the time is that diversity, you know, diversity and inclusion is not an act of kindness; it's good business. But you know, we oh. recognize that recognize that a lot of companies out there don't seem to be to be getting it right, and that's where organization like yours or, or I'm just thinking in terms of what I'm doing with Chile Black Women Tech from a different angle are so essential because we understand the language, we understand what is missing, and also we look at it as both of us two black women. We have a different perspective on life and we can apply it. And as well, two entrepreneurs will also have a different perspective on life in terms yeah. of what needs to be done. And again, something that is so essential, especially now with technology being the technology companies dominating the market, you know, we will, diversity, diversity is essential. So we don't build, you know, products with unconscious biases, right? Oh, massively. And I think, you know, tech is a great enabler for change. And I think if you use tech in the right kind of way, you can reach more people and connect with more people. And I think when we look at some of the products that are out there, you know, they've got diverse customers. But unfortunately, sometimes the people that make those products or behind, um, you know, the workforce aren't diverse. And therefore, there is a flaw in the products that they're making because they're not connecting with the, the masses. So this is where the diversity piece then really comes in uh, when we are talking about building tech products, you know, or you know using tech as a as, as, as a way to to reach more people you have to look at the full end-to-end -end cycle of that and at every yeah. touch point, how diverse is that um to make sure that the end product then connects and engages with a much wider reach of people from all walks of life so talking about i want to ask a question maybe for all the listeners that we have right now well most of them are tech companies and i'm thinking well i don't know what i'm doing right and you, we talk about the how and the what so 
any tech companies listening to this podcast right now and want to understand exactly what are they doing wrong? Why, why should they start looking into the, the, the challenges that they're creating for themselves? Yeah, and I think historically, if we look at how people have tended to to find talent, it's either been through networks or people that they know. And if your networks aren't very diverse, chances are the people that you've got access to aren't either. And I think there's um, a lazy, um, you know, emphasis when it comes to hiring talent that people just do the same things that they've always done you know mm. so if they've always recruited using the same job descriptions they'll just keep doing that if they've always hired and advertised the same kind of place they'll keep doing that but then they're expecting that all of a sudden magically something's going to happen and for me you know that's where the floor is is you've got to change your end-to-end process in terms of how you um, go out uh, to market in terms of you know acquiring that talent you know you've got to really look at the full end-to-end cycle and see well where are some of the challenges is it an attraction piece is it a retention piece is it a progression piece then you can look at how you then start to um look at solutions to 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 fix that so everyone seems to think well it's just an attraction problem we just need to hire more people that look differently and sometimes that's the worst thing that you're doing because without fixing or understanding what the problem is it's almost just stabbing in the dark a little bit or just Mm -hmm. trying to put a sticky plaster on the problem but you don't really know what the problem is so first and foremost you need to identify well, what is the issue where exactly is the issue lying is it the fact that we're just not reaching those communities that we're trying to bring along then that's when you look at well how do you do that if it's you know you, uh, an interview scenario have you trained your hiring managers around how to um, interview in the right kind of way is it writing job adverts is it job descriptions it, the list is endless so you almost have to look at every single stage of that process to look at well where are those barriers and where are the pain points and then you fix that as opposed to just lumping everything into well it must be just we're just not attracting the right kind of people there could be other um other factors that that are playing a part absolutely so we're entering a space where come you know i love what you say cynthia about you know how important it is to understand where the problem is is lying but i wanted to add something as to what you said and and from a branding perspective and i think i was shocked once when i looked on um on the technology website and it didn't have an about us page i was really shocked that they understand the importance of culture especially now gen z entering the workplace they want to know that you're more than just you know a company what are you doing beyond just offering great service and you know i can tell you something you know I, i was recruiting for Three colors when I was recruiting for Chile Black Women in Tech, it was easier to recruit people for Chile Black Women in Tech because we are a purpose-led company. So it just shows you how you know how different it is for when you just in terms of attraction, people want purpose. Obviously, a good salary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's the point in terms of where we're going. I wanna I wanna come back now to diversifying IO. So let's talk about success. Obviously, being very clear in terms of your niche has been one of the wins for you. But what else do you think has been has drove so much success? You've attracted 900 companies, which says a lot um, about the importance of knowing who you want to target and offering something that really works. But what else do you think has been part of your success? Yeah, I, th- I think for for us, you know, there's there's been a, a massive need um, over the the last um, kind of few years where diversity more and more has become almost business critical. And I think for so long, it was seen as the nice to do thing or the nice to have. Oh, it's nice. Wouldn't it be nice to, yeah, we'll get involved in that. And I think the emphasis was always been around gender. And then obviously things like Black Lives Matter happened, the, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd happened. And all of a sudden there was this massive big catalyst that shook the world up to take this seriously and, and really look at some of the 
underrepresented and forgotten groups and communities who were always overlooked when people talked about diversity. And I think it's really understanding what diversity actually means, because diversity means so uh, so many different things to so many different people. But I think where organisations now are looking at it is that overall holistic overview of it's not just more about tick, ticking boxes now, it's really about doing the work, because I think people are now calling for action. So this is where it's gone beyond just a nice to have. It's now become priority because people want to see that tangible difference to your point earlier on that if you're not talking about your culture and if your culture is one where it's very male dominated guess what you're not going to attract women so this is where you've Mm -hmm. got to start changing and showing what you are doing and I think people now want more evidence-based that organizations are taking this seriously so if you're going to have something on your website um, that talks about you you know it needs to be talking around the culture that's so important because as a as, as a job seeker, if I'm looking for somewhere that, you know, I've got a young family, I want to have flexible working hours, and you don't talk about that, chances I'm not even going to apply for that. So for anyone that's now coming onto our platform, these are the key things that we're insisting and in making sure that we par- we partner with them to help rewrite their profiles on there, to look at what they're saying about themselves, so we make sure that they are articulating a lot of the initiatives that they, they, they're doing around the DNI kind of perspective. But alongside that, you know, we deliver a lot of workshops, a lot of training um, as well, which has helped organizations on every mm-hmm. stage of that journey. Um, and it's 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 becoming more and more um, you know a, a priority for for business leaders, and I think because the leaders are taking it seriously, that's what's driven the change. That's what's yeah. driving um, you know the, the shift in seeing this demand for different um, you know kind of uh, services around around DNA because now it's actually being led by um, you know the, the the leaders who are able to change the strategy and able to actually put the resources uh, according to something like this so that's yeah. been the, the success as opposed to 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 the platform and um yeah no and then it's, it's I, I just think the time is now if not now then when you know mm. we've been talking about this for years and years and years and and you know it shouldn't take for something so tragic um you know to be the catalyst for change but you know mm. it's happened so let's let's move forward let's look at how we undo some of those bad habits or things that have happened in the past to move forward in the right kind of way and create a more equitable uh, society for all of us. Absolutely. And it's interesting because you say it's about how you turn something negative into something positive. And that's always about that, you know, turning something negative into something positive. And um, and also, I think there's also <laughs> the rise of ESG regulations, which puts a lot of pressure on enterprises to be very, you know, um, clear in terms of what they were doing in this in this space, and and so it's no longer, as you say yourself, it's no longer a choice. They have to pay to pay more attention to this. Um, I love what you say, and I think it's something that you know when I hear what you're saying around, you know, the the support that you offer to companies, and it looks like you know, you know, creating a looking for a person is almost a marketing exercise, as the same way as you are looking for customers, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think there's, there's sometimes this misconception that people feel, well, we're the biggest brand in the world, therefore everybody wants to come and work for us. Well, no, no, they don't. And to your <laughs> point around um, 
you know, and that's sometimes been a lazy kind of thing where organizations didn't feel they needed to work hard or didn't feel they needed to showcase, you know, why they're a good employer, you know, because they relied heavily on being the market leader. And that doesn't wash anymore. You know, we're seeing more and more that some of the biggest brands in this world are doing so much more to really encourage people to come through the doors and to come and work for them. But they're having to put the work in. Um you know, if I look across the, you know, our diversifying platform, you know, you've got some of the biggest brands from people like eBay, TikTok, you know, mm. MC, Sky, all these are big, big multi-global kind of brands, but yet they're still having to put the work in to really showcase why somebody would want to come and work for them. So I think long gone are the days where you could rely on, yes, we're the number one brand, so everyone come work for us. Mm. It's here's why we're the number one brand. Here's how we look after our people. Here's how we support you to have a great career. Here's how we progress you. Here's how we look after your well-being, how we, we give you... um all these opportunities to succeed, to thrive. And that's what people now want to see when they're looking for, for opportunities. And again, to your point about purpose, you know, people want to work for a business that has purpose at the heart of it, you know, because we we now live in a world where, you know, we we think more clearly about what we want. You know, mm-hmm. COVID has had a big impact on all of us around the important what what's important in life. It's made us reevaluate uh, what's important in life, and you know how we choose where we want to spend our our time has also now become more important. And that also reflects around the choices that people are making when they are job seeking around mm-hmm. what companies they, they're choosing to work for. So all these things play a big part in terms of, you know getting the best talent you know there's what we call a war on talent at the moment so how do you get the best people to come and work for you you've got to put the work in and you've got to show how you are a market leading employer of choice not necessarily just the biggest brand that makes the best products that's great but what's behind that is more important Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, as much as the small tech companies, but also the big companies, you know, struggle. And I've heard stories about how much, obviously, they're ready to offer. I think for tech companies, maybe maybe a question for you here, Cynthia, as I'm making a statement. But um, obviously, tech, big tech companies, obviously, you know, also struggle to attract talent as much as the small tech companies. But obviously, the small tech companies cannot offer some of the ridiculous salaries and packages that, are offered in the market. So what would be your advice for them to be able to be more successful and in attractive talent? Yeah, and I think, you know, where, where tech startups have got a great story is you can bring people along on that journey. Anyone that's coming to work for a small tech company, at some point that tech company is going to continue to grow. Get them to be part of that journey right from the early starts. You know, I can imagine if somebody had been looking for jobs in the days when TikTok had just started and somebody had said, look, we're probably very small, but here's where we're going. Here's our mission. Here's our purpose. We want people to to get behind us, to be aligned to that. So it's how you how you frame that to bring people along so they, they can buy into what you will soon become. So that's where I think tech um, you know startups have got an advantage is really getting people in at that early stage, selling around more the opportunities that they could be part of. You know, all of us can put our hands up. If somebody had asked you years ago to say, oh, there's a, a small company called Google that's starting up. Do you want to come work for us? We're only a small startup. We would have probably gone, no, nah, no, nah, I don't really know you. But it's that somebody then you know, told you this is where it's going to be in a few years would have all jumped at that opportunity. It's the same with tech startups. It's really how do you talk about your story, your purpose, you know, the products that you're creating, how they're going to impact people and get 
people aligned more on your story and what you're building and, and they will stay with you and grow with you as your organization grows. So I think that's where sometimes it's not always just about throwing money at it and trying to get um, people that are money motivated will always be money motivated. Get people who buy into what you're trying to do and your vision and what you're trying to achieve. And I think that's when you get the best people that will stay with you and will grow with you as you continue with your growth plans as well. So for me, that's where I'd be looking at it. It's it's not just about throwing money at the problem. Get people that are aligned with your, your purpose and your mission and what you're trying to do. That's fantastic. I don't think I could have said anything better compared to, you know, in addition to what you just said. It's exactly what it is, I think, is, you know, and I keep saying that to, to small tech startups, like, your vision and your culture in terms of where you're taking your taking your business is so important to attract that talent and and I think people will be excited to say I was part of, I was number number two employee Navi five hundred and sixty seven and and we know how tech can easily you know grow and this is where I think you know tech has got an advantage over some of the more um, you know, kind of slower growing kind of sectors because people that are coming in, you know, in, in two years, you could actually, your career could have gone three, four more levels up from where you started versus in a more traditional organization, you know, that doesn't have the same trajectory of growth. So this is where I think it's really selling it on, on some of those kind of benefits, where the opportunities are. It's not always about what, what you're coming into right now. It's where where is this uh, organization going to go and how do they play a part in the and where can they add value so I think if you're able to articulate that in the right kind of way, the right kind of people will see that and they will want to be part of that. The ones that just want the big salaries, you're, you're, you're fighting a losing battle because you can't match the, you know, at some point in the future, probably you can do. But if you are starting out on your journey, it's more important to have people around you that really will be happy to graft, happy to grow and really believe in your vision of what you're trying to build. Fantastic. I think it's a good way to end the first part of this episode and we'll be back in a couple of seconds. Stay with us. You are listening to Tech Brains Talk, a conversation on the strategy of becoming a remarkable individual and creating iconic tech brands. Your host is Flavilla Fongang, author, speaker and founder of Three Colors Rule, a creative branding and marketing agency for tech companies. For more information, go to threecolorsrule.com. If you found this podcast helpful, Please help us by telling your friends and rating us a five stars on iTunes. Thank you. Now, back to where we left it off. Here hey, we're back for part two and we're still with Cynthia Davis. I do love her name from diversifying.io. Remember this name? Like if you are very intentional, I think it's interesting because a lot of companies talk about, yeah, we want to attract talent and then go and advertise on LinkedIn or they go and advertise on on. Uh, we do, I don't know, whatever website, generic website, but if you're very intentional in terms of what you're doing with attracting talent from all backgrounds, you will always win and you will always be a most successful business. And it's been told and the facts are there, companies who have diversity at the top are actually more more successful. So if you want to be very successful, think about what you're doing. And um, so I'm still with Cynthia and we're going to talk, I want to talk about her journey as an entrepreneur. And you know, as any entrepreneurs, and I think also being a, a female and being a black woman, I'm sure, like me, you probably went through a lot of ups and downs. So I'm kind of keen. I want to start, before we talk about ups and downs, actually, I want to talk about impact. Let's talk about some of the impact diversifying has had on corporate, but also on these individual, talented individuals out there who find their perfect career. Yeah, no, and I, I think for us, you know, we're so 
lucky to do the work that we do where we get to impact people in their everyday lives. And I think there's nothing better than when somebody turns around and say, look, I, I've got a, I applied for this job because you guys were involved in it because I didn't have to hide anything about myself. I didn't have to change my name. So it was less ethnic sounding. I didn't have to hide my gender or my sexual orientation. I felt I could apply for a job and be given the opportunity for who I am and the skills that I bring. And I think for me, it's that impact that we have on job seekers that that is priceless and why we do what we do. Um, and I think it's really, you know, looking at there's so many people that have been burned by some of the traditional recruitment processes out there where, you know, I've, I've heard horrific stories where people have had to create two CVs, for instance, because if they send one with an ethnic sounding name, they don't get as many callbacks versus if they send one with an English sounding name. It's mm -hmm. those kind of stories, you know, for us that, you know, we, 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 we've been fighting to challenge states to say, why should people have to hide who they are? You know, we mm -hmm. want people applying for jobs because they're brilliant at what they do and they are the best person for that role so what we try and do is create that level playing field that safe environment that anyone that's coming to be advertising on our, our platform they know that they're getting candidates who are from all this married and backgrounds and you know they, they they're coming to our platform because they want to connect and engage with those candidates so we we don't do any name blind cvs we don't hide who people's backgrounds are we we lead with that because we're so proud of the diversity of the candidates that we we have on offer and you know for us that's the beauty of why we do what we do and why we do it differently so that's the impact that we've been having in the communities that we support and i think for me it's more how we've been able to support those different communities who for so long have been, have been underrepresented have had um barriers put in front of them when they're trying to to seek job opportunities so to be able to really support them and you know connect them with organizations who genuinely want to hire skilled people from all walks of life that represent our society is is is, is priceless and to us that's why we do what we do um you know why we, we exist is purely to, to to be that bridge uh across those two bits I love it. Love it. And I think, you know, the more I listen to what you say, and I think that, um, you know, more the more and more, you know, with a new generation coming into the workplace and even just the current generation, you know, millennials, Gen X and all sorts, we are all demanding for more purpose led companies. And we've seen, you know, the companies, even the existing companies doing a bit more on that space is no longer an option and being, you know, being impactful like you have been doing. It's fantastic. I really love that. So let's talk now <laughs> about failures because I love to talk about failures and trust me, I add my own share of failures and I'm not, not ashamed to also talk about it because I think for failures, you, we learn a lot of things. So, you know, starting a business, obviously you started a consultancy with BEM recruitment and then you moved away and you became a tech entrepreneur, a black female uh, tech entrepreneur. There aren't many, but I'm so glad to um, know you. So maybe you can talk some of the, failures and, and also successes along the way yeah I, I suppose for me you know I never saw myself um as a as, as a tech entrepreneur and I think this is very um you know will surprise a lot of people because people think oh well you know to, to work in tech you've got to be this tech genius you've got to understand around coding around python and all I didn't know any of that I still don't you know but one of the things that I knew is how to 
build something that was going to be able to connect more people and how tech was going to play a big part in that. And I think this is where, you know, we need to encourage more people to come into the tech sector because you don't have to be able to build all these products. I think if you've got a great idea, you know what you need to do. You know, you can build a team, you can get co-founders who come with those other additional skills to help you build that. So I think for me, it was such a revolutionary to kind of think, okay, well, I have this vision. I have this passion that I want to be able to build a platform that allows anyone from anywhere in the world to be able to access this, to be able to do this, to be able to do that. How do I do it? And, you know, find great co-founder that can really help bring that to life. And I think this is where tech can really um, help. And I think for years, you know, talking to people about it, you know, everyone kind of said, yeah, but how many black women do you know that run tech businesses? And to be honest, I didn't really know that many. So I I kind of put it off for a very, very long time. Mm. I think it really kind of, something kind of snapped in me one day that I thought, right, I'm going to find a way to kind of do this, right? I built one successful business. I can, I can find a way to do it. And I remember kind of Googling and, you know, trying to find a way to kind of build this, this platform to make it, make it happen. Um, and I, and I think it's sometimes not knowing the resources that are out there. And I'm so pleased to see that there's other kind of, you know, tech communities that have now come up where, you know, they're really supporting um, and we're starting to see more uh, people from different kind of walks of life and especially, you know, more black women, you know, for instance, your, your TLA black women in tech, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now there's a there's a community of other women that we can lean on, that we can ask these questions. A few years ago, that didn't exist. You know, we didn't have these outlets to be able to reach out to. So I think it's it's amazing that more and more of these community and networks that are there to to push each other forward will start to create the next generation of tech um tech leaders but for, for my part really it was just you know it was all self-taught you know I taught everything that I I I built on on both my businesses has been self-taught but it's been self-taught out of sheer frustration that I need to do something I can't sit back and take this anymore yeah. I've got to be part of the solution so what is the solution I know what needs to be done I just need to build it and I think this is where you know that 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 passion then turns into a reality of building something that you know will benefit so many people and this is what take you know creating tech businesses are all about is knowing that there's a problem finding a solution and how to 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 get it out to the masses and 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 that's what I was able to kind of do um as well I'm sorry to drop you but I have so many things I want to ask you but I, I would love as well Talking about Viziva, we know that you know female in general don't get access to as much funding as much as men, and you being a female, but on top of that, being a black woman. So, what has been your journey with that? Are you able to share some of the stories and the learnings as well? Yeah, I mean, for both my businesses, have been self-funded. You know, my first business, I set it up with, um, I think I only had like £2,000, which was what I had in my savings. And, you know, I I started that business literally from my kitchen table um, with no funding. I couldn't get any any bank loans. The, the high street banks wouldn't lend to me. So I just used what I, what I had in my bank account at that time. It was just two thousand pounds that I had spare, um, mm. and that's how I started my first business. And you know that business is now, uh, you know, a multi-million pound business. But that came from me really pushing hard on it and trying to grow it. The same with my tech business. You know, I've not been that that's not been uh, invested by anybody because again, when I try to seek investment, a lot of investors don't necessarily invest in in um, you know. If we look at how many businesses that are female owned uh, have been invested in very very little add another layer of black female um you know founders that you know you're almost talking 0.1 percent you know mm-hmm. which is shocking so you know 
every one of my business has been self-funded. I actually took some of the profits that I made from my first business to help start my, to, to help launch my, my, my tech business. And up to now, that business has been self-sufficient. There's no investors in there. You know, we will be doing a series A um, later on this year to, to, to get investment because again, we want to take this global. Um, but, you know, so far it's, it's been, you know, self-generating, it's a profitable business, but it, it's, it's because I've, I've had no other choice because I've mm. not been able that kind of funding and this is where i think um you know vcs and and funders are, are missing out on amazing amazing um you know kind of talent and great businesses out there because they they're not seen as favorable versus the you know the the, the ones that seem to get the funding which tend to be led by white men um so again there is that bit that there's still more that needs to be done around how that 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 investment is shared um you know when we talk about equity you know, it's not equity when we talk about how many female founders get funding, how many black founders get funding. You know, you're black, you're female. You're lit literally almost at the bottom of that pile when it comes mm -hmm. to investment. So this is where I think that the, the sector's got a lot of work to do and really change to look at, well, how do we partner? And I think where sometimes it, it frustrates me is I think... Um, people are happy to give seed funding you know they're, they're happy to give a five five thousand pounds here and that's great to get you started but if you're a very successful business that's generating and turning over a lot of money you don't you don't need seed you don't need some <laughs> investing and giving you seed it's almost quite patronizing so you, know, much so you know take this seriously if you are going to invest for the right reasons you know invest because you can see that potential but don't do it in a patronizing way to make yourself feel good. So, well, you know, here's seed money that, that I can make that in, a, in an hour, I can make that in a day. So this is where I think it's, it's really about looking at, you know, how can we widen the reach of, you know, people that are out there that genuinely will take this seriously, will, will take black founders seriously, will take black female founders seriously, will take female founders very seriously. Because again, there's a lot that's underrepresented across those three groups. Um, and until we do that, you're missing out on talent and people are now having to go overseas to seek that investment. You know, the US is starting to get more of our business and yet we should be keeping more of these investors in the UK, we should be creating more unicorns in the UK, but we're not looking at, you know, at where these opportunities could be coming from. They're in some of the underrepresented groups. They're not given the opportunity. It's not a level playing field when it comes to investment. I totally agree with you. And, you know, as I say, seed investment, when you are running a you know, multi-million business, serves nothing. There's not even enough for advertising. <laughs> it's, it's my point, you know, it's pointless. So, you know, I think this is where if you are going to take investment and, and stuff like that, you've got to think, well, what is this? But but also believe in the product. And I think sometimes, you know, investors need to really give you, um, you know, the credibility that if you've created something and it's profitable and, it's, you know, that that you know what you're talking about, you know your market. Um, and I think that sometimes it's this crazy bit to want to just quickly get the return on the investment, which is great if you're an investor, that the whole point of investing is you want to get a return investment. But don't try and you know, come in and change everything. There's a reason why businesses exist because they've, they've done the hard work, they understand the market, they understand the communities that they're working in and what they're trying to do. So there's a little bit of, yes, they need the expertise and yes, they do need the support and the finance, but also give them the, the voice as well um, and, and allow them to, 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 to that, that freedom of, you know, knowing their products inside out to, and to also be able to make the right kind of decisions. I love that. 
I want to ask you, I have two more questions to ask you, Cynthia. questions to ask you, Cynthia. I have such a blunt time. I know I can speak for hours <laughs> with you, but I'm sure that people want to, to hear. And it's been a sec- you can go and reach out to Cynthia Davis and ask her more questions directly if you fancy. But is this something that you wish um, you knew sooner as an, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, do you know what I, what it is? I think it was just the the lack of visible role models um, made made it seem like it wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is this is such a, a crying shame. And I think you know, there's more and more people now that um, are coming forward, and we're seeing more amazing younger visible role models. That, you know, I look at somebody like a, you know Stephen Bartlett, and you know what he's been able to kind of create. And it's we need more of those kind of individuals who you know, are, are putting themselves and saying, here's my story, here's what I've come from, my kind of background. And I think giving that next generation people that they, they can relate to so they know what's possible. You can't be what you can't see. So I think, you know, th- there's a bit that I wish I'd had people or I'd, I'd, I'd found people that I, I could have reached out to to ask them, you know, how do I do this? How do I start a business? But I didn't have access to those kind of, um, you know, individuals. So yes. it's great to now see that, you know, more people are coming forward, more people are now visible. And I think that will only inspire the next generation and we can create more um, of the Stephen Butlers of this world, you know, and that's what we we want to leave as legacy for that next generation coming through is give them that access, give them that belief, empower them to see what's possible. And I wish, you know, I had seen that growing up. I might have started my companies years ago, but for me, it took for me to start my first business in my 30s. You know, by that time, I'd managed to have a career and been able to at least save up some money to, to kind of start something. But what about the young up and coming talent that don't want to wait another 10, 20 years when they can actually bootstrap some money together? You know, they've got amazing ideas and just need that support. What's going to happen to them? So this is where I think more support for those um that are coming through that have got, you know, great access to funding, great access to mentors, you know, brilliant kind of networks that can really put their hands around, uh, you know, and their arms around these young entrepreneurs that are coming through and really support them and empower them. I think the more we can do that collectively as a society, the more we will continue to thrive and succeed together. 100%. And it's such, such a beautiful thing to say. Oh, Sinja, you've been fantastic. I have one more question to ask you. And and my favorite one, I always leave it for the end. It's about legacy. And my question to you is, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, wow. Um, I I always kind of like when people ask me that, so how do I want to be remembered? I suppose I just want to be remembered as somebody that gave a damn, you know, somebody that... <laughs> you know, I, I, I definitely, you know, for me, everything that I do just comes out of frustration of this has been going on for too long. We just got to give it mm-hmm. a go. Let's just shake this down and let's find some way to move the dial forward. And, you know, if we all gave a damn and, you know, did something about it that's 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 how we move forward collectively as society so yeah just somebody who who wanted to see change who wanted to do something about it and um yeah found some way even if it's only one person that you know is impacted by the 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 change that we make then then Mm. that's the legacy that i've left and you know for somebody else to pick up that baton and carry on you know for me would be would be incredible but yeah just just yeah i love that 
Love that. So having good words to memorize is give a damn, really give a damn in everything that you do. And I think if you give a damn and the way you talk about your business, if you give a damn in terms of who you want to work with, if you give a damn about your customers, if you give a damn in terms of what impact you want to make on this planet, trust me, good things will happen to you. And and I've realized more and more, and, and as Cynthia is talking, like the two of us go on like a house on fire is because we're driven by our just intention to just be disruptor and sometimes just remember that you don't you know it's good you know visible presentation is important but sometimes if you can't see it be it you know if you can't see it be it you don't have to wait and don't let you know the the people that rule the world intimidate you and just trust yourself and you don't have to have it all figured out you know things will just get started and give a damn Cynthia tell us if people want to reach out to you what's the best way to connect with you yeah, so for for us, you know, we've got our platform that you know anyone can can go on on and um, and have a look, and that's um, diversifying.io. Um, you know, it's 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 a great platform. You can look out for our TV adverts that are running this month as well across a number of different national channels. So, um, but yeah, the best way is go look us up, diversifying.io, or look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Cynthia Cynthia V Davis. Uh, I'm always happy to connect and just have a chat and you know, reach out, let's have a conversation, you know, good things always start with a little bit of a conversation. So feel free to, to connect. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Cynthia. You have been fantastic. We're such a great guest. And I, as I always advise to my amazing uh, listeners, please listen to this episode twice because there's so much juice into it. And if you didn't take any note, go and apply it. Remember, give a damn and life will work out for you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.